Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. M.S.W. Media. Johnny Van Zandt here from Leonard Skinner, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. I feel free as a bird. I feel free as a bird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the show. Excited to have you here. Coming up in just a little bit, going to be speaking to the lead singer of one of the most legendary American rock bands, Johnny Van Zant of Leonard Skinner. That's right. We're going to talk about the band. We're going to talk about their new whiskey, Hell House. We're just going to talk maybe about Sweet Home Alabama, Freebird, and all that stuff. Can't wait. But before we get to that, I've got a little news to tell you about. That's right. News. I'm writing another book. Working on it at this very moment. Well, not at this very moment. I'm doing a podcast. But when I'm finished doing this podcast today, I will then resume writing the book. It's a memoir. As uh, some of you may know, uh, I've got uh, three other. uh, I've had a go at three other nonfiction narratives based on my personal memories. First one was called Nobody Likes a Quitter. Second one was called Living Loaded. Then American Wino. I also co-wrote, ghost-wrote, co-ghost-wrote a Always Sunny in Philadelphia book called The Gang Writes a Self-Help Book. There is my book publishing history, but now I'm working on another one. Now, my friend and spiritual advisor, the late Dr. Hunter S. Thompson, once opined that writing is like sex, and it's only fun for amateurs. Look, there's nothing quite so dreary sitting alone day after day in a cramped home office, hungover, Staring at the computer monitor, praying, usually futilely, for inspiration to strike. My millstone, my only respite being the gigantic pile of free booze in the cabinet over here that I have received gratis from liquor company reps. Thank you. Ah, but it takes more than strong drink, discipline, and a near limitless capacity for self-flagellation to crank out a winning 90,000 word tome about drinking and carousing especially when all I'd really like to be doing is something much more enjoyable with my time. You know, like drinking and carousing with amateurs. Now, this being my fourth go-around with a boozy memoir, I've learned a thing or four about the process. Happy to share them with you. So grab a pen and paper and take notes, all you aspiring memoirists. 
Here we go. Number one, embarrassing revelations about your past are good, whether it's for reasons of schadenfreude, sympathetic connection, or just to feel better about themselves. People get off reading confessions about how magnificently fucked up other people are, particularly if those other people are practicing or recovering drunks, junkies, or sex freaks. For proof, you got to look no further than enormously popular memoirs like Kat Marnell and Nick Sheff. You throw in a life lesson or two gleaned from the experience and you're golden. For instance, I remember the time young me was ogling a penthouse magazine. Page is still sporting those little circular indentations from the box springs where, until a few minutes earlier, it resided under the pressure of my parents' mattress. My eyes were wide. My heart delighted. It's my first close encounter with real naked lady pictures. I had no idea what was happening to me as my organs swelled inside my tough skins. Apologies for the image, but, you know. All I knew was that life was suddenly richer and deeper than before. It was like discovering a secret underground lair in my home that I never knew existed. And in that lair were pictures, lots of pictures, pictures of girls thoroughly unlike the ones at school or even at the public swimming pool. And just as suddenly as a whole new world of prurient delights had revealed itself to me, an adult hand swooped in and young me found myself over a lap being spanked. I learned two lessons that day. The first is that sex is the best and worst thing in life. And secondly, when people are mad at you, it's kind of hot. Oh, behave. See, don't you feel better about yourself now? All right, second thing I learned, number two, admit you are powerless over your addiction. In my case, I'm powerless over my addiction to dropping the names of famous people with whom I've crossed paths. We're three minutes into this show, and already you're aware that I've chatted up the guy who sings Freebird on stage every night, and that I knew the literary giant who gave the world gonzo journalism. See what I did there? By copping to my celebrity compulsion, I set myself up as a sympathetic rather than merely pathetic figure. And that's very important in a memoir, especially if you hope to ever have it be adapted into a film which may be happening with one of my other books. Shh. So if you happen to read this forthcoming memoir someday, I don't have a title for it yet. Fun Things to Do with Mud is the working title, but we'll work on that. So if you're going to read it, in which I will regale you with stories about the time I got trashed in New Orleans with Eric Andre and made out with an Academy Award-winning actress at a dive bar in New York City, instead of thinking... I'm this shameless, blood-sucking sycophant. Perhaps you'll be impressed with the bravery I've exhibited in openly sharing my addiction to name-dropping. Hey, where's my thank you, Dan? Three, number three, when in doubt about where to go next with your booze-soaked book, like let's say you hit a wall, writer's block, you don't know where you're going. Well, then all you got to do is throw in a cocktail recipe and make everybody happy. There's one thing I've learned. It's that nothing takes people's minds off your massive shortcomings than getting them drunk. Case in point, I'll give you a recipe right now for fish house punch. You're going to take one and a half cups of super fine sugar, 64 ounces of water, 32 ounces of lemon juice, 64 ounces of amber rum, 32 ounces of brandy, and four ounces of peach brandy. 
In a large punch bowl, use just enough water to dissolve the sugar. Then you add the lemon juice, the liquor, and the remaining water. Stir that up. Refrigerate it for an hour. Add a large block of ice. Serve. You don't need a garnish. It's fucking party time, people. That's right. Fish out punch. That'll be in the book. And finally, the fourth tenet to writing a winning memoir is that honesty is the best policy. It is not, however, the most entertaining policy. So I'll cop to something else. Few of the events recounted in my soon-to-be-made-into-a-major-motion-picture memoir are what overzealous literateurs and internet sleuths might call subject to debate or remembered clearly but may have been a dream. I drink for a living, folks. As a result... My memory's foggier than a San Francisco morning after a fish concert. Plus, having grown up in a highly dysfunctional environment, as a coping mechanism, I developed a vivid imagination that I now have a hell of a time keeping in check. For instance, I'm not entirely sure that I have, as I will write in Chapter 2 of my upcoming book, made time with golf legend Greg Norman's daughter. Then again, I'm not sure I haven't. The truth depends largely on the tenacity of her legal representation. Same goes with playing golf with Charlie Day and pounding wild turkey with Matthew McConaughey. In fact, the same goes for anyone in my upcoming epic, including those in the acknowledgments. Scratch that. Especially those people. Because I always fear I'll end up drunk and homeless babbling to imaginary friends. The sad part is, the people will actually exist. I'll just imagine they're my friends. Say hello to my little friend! All right. As threatened, we got Johnny Van Zandt coming up. But first, we're going to get to our wildly popular segment where I tell you things you ought to be drinking. It's Drinks of the Week! Drinks, drinks, drinks of the week. Drinks, drinks, drinks of the week. Drinks, drinks, drinks of the week. It's what we're drinking with Dan Dunn's. Drinks of the Week. Jazz hands. Jack Daniels fans rejoice for the legendary Lynchburg distillery has just introduced its first ever rye whiskey with the bottled in bond designation. It's called Jack Daniels Bonded Rye. Of course, it's a Tennessee whiskey, as all Jack Daniels is, a Tennessee rye whiskey. Now, as stipulated by the Bottle and Bond Act of 1897, you've all read that, right? You're familiar? Yeah, a bonded whiskey must be distilled by a single distiller during a single season and matured in a government-bonded warehouse for at least four years and bottled at 100 proof. A lot of rules. You can't just slap bottled and bond on the label. you got to follow the rules. Jack Daniels Bonded Rye has a grain bill of 70% rye. That's a high rye content. 18% corn, 12% malted barley. Uh, it's charcoal mellowed. Again, Jack Daniels is always filtered through the charcoal. That's what makes it Jack Daniels. And then they age it in uh, American white oak barrels. It's delightful. It, it really is. It, uh, it opens up with uh, dried fruit notes, followed by some hints of toffee and vanilla. And then comes the spice. Oh, this is one spicy mama. Bold, complex, balanced, boom. Cool packaging, too. Uh, it was inspired by the original design of the 1895 Jack Daniels uh, Tennessee whiskey bottle. So it it was a real throwback look to it. Vintage, if you will. 
the Jack Daniels Bond Rise available 700 milliliter bottles, not 750, 700, all across these United States. And the suggested retail price is $31.99. Come on. That's not bad, especially when you consider what I'm about to tell you about, which is another great spirit, but a little higher up, uh, going to cost you more money. It's called Lanetta. Lanetta. It's a tequila. Lanetta is a Mexican, uh, Mexican colloquialism for the truth. I want the truth. The tr- I'm going to tell you the truth about it right now. You can't handle the truth. I'm high on this tequila. Shockingly, it's not owned or backed by a celebrity. Talk about following the rules. I thought you had to be famous to have a tequila out now, but no. Just a couple of regular Joes. Actually, their names are Edward Gaiman, Gaiman and Manny Blanco. These guys have design backgrounds. Gaiman's a fourth-generation Ukrainian glazier whose great-grandfather started his own glassmaking company in the 1930s Soviet-era Ukraine. Hopefully there won't be another Soviet-era Ukraine. We're all pulling for that not to happen. But he started this in the 1930s, and he would transport uh, poured his wares by foot back when it was illegal, dangerous to have your own business in Ukraine. Edward, what is it, his uh, grandson, uh, great-grandson, yeah, he immigrated to the U.S. and he has taken the family's small mom-and-pop glass-making business and grown it into a company called Carvart, which is apparently a major national player in glass, the airports, architectural marvels, they're doing the glass there all over. Uh, and that's why the Lenato's bottle design is, it's a showstopper. Showstopper, 17 inches high. That's tall, taller than most bottles you're going to see behind a bar. It's a hand molded from the highest quality flint glass. I don't know what flint glass is, but it's high quality. It really is a gorgeous bottle. I, I mean that. One of my favorites. I got it sitting right on my home bar. And everybody walks by and goes, ooh, look at that. Now, what's in the bottle is pretty special. My bullet points, okay? Uh, the Blanco, $80 a bottle at the Blanco. That's where we're starting. So this is not, a, this is not an inexpensive spirit. Uh, double distilled, not aged. It's creamy vanilla, grassiness. It's very vegetal, lightly fruity. You get some vanilla, bell peppers, works beautifully in a cocktail, but you can sip it on your own if you want to. Then you go up to the Reposado, also double distilled, aged eight months, ex-bourbon barrels, as we do. Caramel, hint of spice, mellow cooked agave on the palate, subtle caramel and refined earthiness to that one. 120 a bottle, 40% ABV. The Añejo, brand new. This one just came out. Also double distilled, 12 to 14 months in ex-bourbon barrels, more vanilla, more caramel, notes of oak, butterscotch, chocolate, toasted nuts, very delicate floral undertones, and a touch of spice. A touch. It's one thirty a bottle. And finally, the Extra Añejo is, they're all 40% ABV. Extra Añejo is 170 a bottle, double distilled, three years in ex-bourbon barrels, just luscious. You ever have a date cake? Dates made of cake, made of dates. That's what the, I get out of that. A little chocolate too. It's chocolate spreading or what do you call that stuff you put on a cake? Icing. <laughs> that. Full-bodied, smooth, decadent on the palate. Just lingering, luxurious finish to this one. Again, ain't cheap, but you know what? The bottles are so cool. The spirit tastes great. Lanetta, if you got the dough, give it a show. Faux show. 
And finally, uh, if you're feeling, you know, a little desserty drinks, Mozart chocolate liqueur. They've got a big portfolio of just decadent chocolate liqueurs. We're starting to get things are cooling off. So I, I do, I like to put, I like warm drinks with a little chocolate liqueur in it. Mozart distillery has been around for 60 years. They're out of Salzburg, Austria. You know who was born there, by the way? A quick note, trivia. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Now, like the music of Mozart, the composition, see what I did there? Mozart chocolate liqueur is masterful. Love of detail, just like Mozart. They macerate... And that's not what you think it is, that word. Get your mind out of the gutter. They macerate cocoa from West Africa and vanilla from Madagascar. And then they do something. They put it together. Cream from the Netherlands. You got, it's, this is a world, worldwide event, this, this, this Mozart chocolate liqueur. The, the dark chocolate one is, uh, does not include cream. It's vegan, if you're worried about that. All gluten-free. They are $30 a bottle, 15 to 17% ABV. You know, liqueurs are always lower in the ABV, but you're going to get, there's a chocolate cream liqueur, dark chocolate liqueur, white chocolate liqueur, coffee liqueur, and then they do some annual limited editions, strawberry white chocolate liqueur. I tried this thing. Oh, put that in your coffee, Dunkin' Donuts. And yeah, speaking of that, they have a pumpkin spice chocolate. Everybody's got pumpkin spice, but it's, it's good. I try to stay away from it, but it's good. All of this stuff is, if, if you like chocolate liqueur, go with the Mozart. It's music to your mouth. <laughs> uh, boy. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, commercial break, and then we're going to come back with Johnny Van Zandt. Fall is here, my friends. You know what that means. Time to fall for some fresh victor. Fresh victor. You know, you've heard me talk about it a million times on this show. You can buy the best spirits in the world, make craft cocktails at home, but if you use crappy mixers, you're going to get crappy drinks. And that's why we here at What We're Drinking are all about Fresh Victor. Fresh Victor is a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers. Bring the magic of master mixologists into your home. How do they do this? Because one of the guys that created it, H. Joseph Ehrman, my dear friend, is a master mixologist. He owns one of the best bars in the country, Elixir, up in San Francisco. So he brought all of his years and years of expertise in working with mixers into creating Fresh Victor. And what he created is a bunch of unique blends with contemporary flavors designed to suit any palate. All of their ingredients are fair trade sourced. No artificial anything. Mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with no waste. Right now, Fresh Victor is offering a fall special exclusively for listeners of what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. You go to FreshVictor.com, put a bunch of mixers in your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code FVDAN20. Get 20% off your order. Now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market. And that's Fresh Victor. Show. 
me now a co-founder of tasty new American whiskey called Hell House, who in addition to pleasing the palates of drinkers across the land, delights millions, millions and millions of music lovers as the lead vocalist of a legendary band you may have heard of called Leonard Skinner. It's Johnny Van Zant. How are you, Johnny? Hey, brother, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I like the way you talk, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, we need to get you to intro us. <laughs> That's it. I'll be your guy. Hey, man, I'll come on tour. Why not, right? You there know? you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, let's start off. First off, thank you for joining us here on the show. You got a new whiskey. It's called Hell House. Let's start with the name. I, my understanding is it is based on a cabin where some of the most iconic songs Leonard Skinner song. Yeah, you know, this place, they called it Hell House, Dan, because it was on a little river or a little canal, really, in Green Coast Springs, Florida. And the guys had gotten kicked out of somewhere downtown Jacksonville. And they said, well, we need to find some place that's real, you know, just out in the woods and nobody can mess with us and we can fire up the amps. Well, they did. And it was a place that had no toilets, no AC. Uh, what else? No heat. And, uh, basically just a wood structure and it was painted red. So they'd go in there and they'd say, Hey, sweet home, Alabama, free bird. All those great songs was written in that little shack. And, uh, uh, they named the shack hell house, you know, because it was always hot in the summer and cold in the winter. And, uh, uh, when we were thinking about coming up with a name for this whiskey, we were like, well, okay. So we went through songs like give me three steps. And you know, that's, you know, started thinking about songs. What about what's your, what's your name? Yeah. yeah what's your name? What's your name? Whiskey. Yeah. So, you know, and none of them really fit. And I'm not for sure who said, how about hell house? And I went, I could see a guy, going up to the bar and going, give me a shot of hell house, you know? So it just kind of rang and it fit perfect. And it's got a story behind it, you know? So it really has been a, uh, it came out of nowhere and it's, it's been a cool, cool ride so far. That's amazing. So everybody knows that's listening out there. Hell house is what's categorized as an American whiskey, although that's not an official designation, yeah. not a bourbon, but it's a, it's an American whiskey. It's got a 89% corn, on the mash bill, ten percent rye, one percent malt. That's going to be. I, I was I was sipping on it last night, and I got to tell you, it's a very very sippable whiskey. You've got a lot of. There's a little honeydew notes on there, some butterscotch. Yes. It's got some sweetness it, to it, and that's got yeah, a lot to does. do with the corn. Yeah, so it does. You know, I never knew how intense and how uh, what's the right word? I mean, we were doing tasting, you know, we were trying to taste different things and go, okay, let's put this together. But the guys who make this are scientists, they're chemists, they're, you know, it, it, there's a lot that goes into this, that the guy who just drinks whiskey, like myself did not know all went into, I just figured, Hey, it's whiskey, you know? So, but there's a lot that goes into it. It really is. So my hat's off to them. I think they, they came up with a good thing, and uh, we drank enough of it to 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 go. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> that's the one. Well, and and what and what Johnny's talking about is a company called Bespoken. They're a whiskey maker. Yeah. That's who you partnered with. This is a company that's sure. won a, a ton of awards. You probably know a bunch of the whiskeys that are coming out, a bunch of the spirits that are coming out of there. Now, you you mentioned you were involved in developing the flavor profile. Let me ask you, Johnny, going in, I mean. 
the lead singer of Leonard Skinner. So you you know your way around a whiskey bottle, I'm going to imagine. What were the whiskeys that informed your palate? How you wanted What were the ones that inspired you? I'll be honest with you. I was always, and I don't know if I should say this because we're pushing ours, but I was always a Jack Black. You know, I love sure. Jim Beam. I love Jim, uh, uh, Jack Daniels, Jim Beam. Hey, I like Crown Roll every once in a while. You know, so I was saying, you know, if we could get something in between there and then with maybe a little wild turkey taste, you know, which comes with the sweetener, you know, and uh, I think I think we did a good job. So far, I haven't heard any critiques about it, you know, being bad. So I think most people who drink whiskey, I think they put a little ice in it and and down it. And uh, uh, I think it's been a great run. So I'm curious to see where this goes at. I think you're spot on, you know, the Crown Royal aside, when you're talking about these legacy whiskey brands that everybody that drinks whiskey, certainly in America, knows, I I, I believe you're absolutely right. You're right in that sort of, uh, you're in that sphere of what those those whiskeys have achieved, and obviously... It's your own thing. It's not an homage to yeah. them, but that was the when you when you were coming up with it. When that, I was thinking that, about it, same yeah, thing with writing like a song, right? You know, like how many? I like, what I like, you know, and and being a whiskey drinker, you know what I mean? Hey, I always go out on stage. I ain't gonna lie to you and have a little nip and tuck before I go out. It's called I call it the shot of encouragement, and it helps the vocal cords. So now I'm drinking Hell House. <laughs> Well, and you know what we talked about when you said earlier, oh, I don't know if I should mention. I mean, the truth is, it's just like music, right? When you when you think of a whiskey, something came before that inspired. When I li- I mean, Jesus, put on any band from Kid Rock to the Black Crows to the, you know, that is a direct line from Leonard Skinner yeah. to the to sure. that, especially all that Southern rock that came after. It's all there, sure. you know. Sure. There's four chords to a song. You got to figure out how to make those four chords sound different. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And uh, we're going to get into the band in a second. I want to ask you one more thing with the drinks. Do you what what cocktails do you like to make with the Hell House? Are you just a straight? Well, I usually drink it a little with a little ice, like I just said. But I've added some Coke to it, you know. And uh, so far, that's about where the heck I've went at, Dan. I've uh, you know I've. I've I'm on the road, so I can't drink too much right now, but the holidays are coming up, and I'm sure I'll have me a bottle of it. <laughs> going to do it. And so everybody knows we're talking about $49.99 or $50, as we sometimes call it here. That's what it's going for. I think that's a great price point for this whiskey. When you're on tour, do you make Hell House available on the stops, or is that not something yeah. you can do? Just started doing that. We've been out you know, with ZZ Top, and uh, we've actually had to get – that's another thing. When you put together something like this, there's a lot of different states with different rules and different because I've had people like fans going, when can I get it here? So we've had to go through all that negotiation. But we have just been the other night we were in, I think it was Charlotte. We had it at the Charlotte show and it did really well. And uh, I think uh, we have another three or four with ZZ. Their amphitheaters is with Live Nation. So I think we're going to have them at those for sure. You mentioned ZZ Top. ZZ Top lost a bass player, I guess, what was that, about a year ago? And they kept going. Like, they just, they kept going. Now, a little bit on the history, Leonard Skinner, and, and you tell me anything I get wrong here, but, and so everybody knows, Johnny's brother, Ronnie, was one of the founding members and the lead singer of the original lineup of Leonard Skinner. 
Ronnie, along with some others, died tragically and, and infamously, uh, famously, I guess everybody knows, the story of a plane crash back in 1977. Band went silent for 10 years, the, you know, a lot of mourning going on there. And then in 87, the band re, uh, regrouped for what was supposed to be sort of a, a short-term thing sure. with you on lead vocals. And here we are in 2023 and you're still going. I believe that's 36 years. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. So let's go back. First off, Leonard Skinner, interesting name. Uh, you tell me if I got this right, because they had a bunch of names. Uh, one of their names was the 1%, and uh, that got changed because people were saying they only got 1% talent or something. That's yeah. what I read. So Leonard Skinner was a reference to a name, Leonard Skinner, in that novelty song, Hello, Mother, Hello, Father. Is that right? And then there was a teacher at the school they went to, the guys in the band? Yeah. That's where it Bob came from. Bob Burns, the original drummer for Skinner, used to always do that. Hello, Mother, Hello. You know. And uh, they got kicked out. There was a coach at Robert E. Lee High School years ago. And back then, if you had hair just a little bit over your ears, they'd bring you in and kick you out of school and tell you go home and shave that hair. You know, your hair is too long. So one night they were at a youth center. It was called Woodstock Youth Center. And uh, I'm sorry, Good Shepherd, Good Shepherd. And uh, playing a show and they, Coach Skinner had just kicked them out that day. It was on a Friday night. And they said, hey, for the heck of it, let's, na- let's rename the band Leonard Skinner tonight. And it just took, and they kept it all these years. And what was great was the coach actually became famous around Jacksonville. And, uh, man, heck, he introduced the band uh, a lot of times, come out and say, hey, I am Leonard Skinner, and this is Leonard Skinner. Would you welcome <laughs> Leonard Skinner? And uh, so it, it worked out. Everything worked out really good on the naming of the band. So did all right. And so they, the yeah. band in, in 72, uh, Al Cooper, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, finds the band. Mm-hmm. He signs them to his label, and they come up, and they, they got a, the first album. They do well. And then in 74, the, the album Second Helping came out, and that's where you got Sweet Home, Alabama, yeah. and, and some of the other great ones on there. And then, as we talked about, it was 76, I apologize, 76, right, when when your brother uh, died in the no, plane? You were right, 77. It was 77. Okay, so it was Steve Gaines, who had just become the guitar player, and his sister died, and yeah. and my, my condolences to you still all these years later. And then you come on board. Now, I think we're about 30 million records that Leonard Skinner has sold at this point. I'm sure it's more than that, but more. that's that's what I got credit for <laughs> over the years. Also, in the condolences thing, I know you lost the last surviving original member, Gary Rossington, passed on in March in of March. this year, and yeah. I want to send my condolences to you as well. Now, now having looking back now, all the original guys are gone. Yeah, yeah. does that put any more? weight on you like in terms of carrying the legacy like now it's you sure you know what when gary passed you know what i realized something whenever he passed i realized just that we call our fans the skinnered nation and it really is and what they have done they've turned their kids on to it so we're like three or four generations deep into this music and uh you know we were gonna call it quits. I was actually like, okay, well, Gary's gone. And then his family, his wife, Dale, who had been a part of this 
forever, you know, since the tribute her. She'd been singing with us. And uh, she went home to take care of him, you know, whenever he got sick. And uh, uh, Gary wanted this to go on. You know, he paid tribute to his brothers all these years, you know, and his wife said, look, you know what? He would love for you to carry this on. And the fans have been just so supportive. I mean, I actually didn't know what to expect, you know, because Gary was my boss, not only my friend, my brother, but he's the one who asked me to be a part of Skinner, you know, back in what, 87, you know, 86, 87. And he knew all about what the heck we're doing. He knows about Hell House Whiskey. He was all a part of that. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, he passed. And uh, for us to stop what he wanted to go was, I thought in my heart, that would be the wrong thing to do. And uh, like, again, like I said, the fans, the ZZ and Skinner tour has just been, I actually thought, I said, well, we'll go out and we'll play the maybe eight, 9,000 people a night, you know, between the two legendary bands, you know, just the way music is and everything. We've been having 17, 18, 19,000 people a night. We're playing in Raleigh tonight. It'll be 17,000 people there tonight. And uh, tomorrow night, Ocean City. And then the next night, Camden, uh, New Jersey. Same thing, you know. So it's just an amazing thing. And we're actually, next weekend, we're in Brazil. We're going over to Brazil to play for the Brazilian fans over there, which are huge Skinner fans. It amazes me. When you go to other countries, you see that all the time in the music, how enamored they are of, of American music. And there really, yeah. there really are few bands that have yeah. that, that you are instantly, undeniably American um, from the American roots thing. And Skinner is one of them. And I want to ask you, when you get on stage, I know as a fan, when I go to the show, the songs that yeah. are going to get me jacked up. As the singer, are there certain songs in the catalog that just get you going more than others? What songs do you love to sing the most? Sure. Well, I think always the first one, <laughs> yeah. which is usually MCA working for MCA. Okay. And then songs like Simple Man and, of course, Free Bird Touches Your Heart. But we're doing a great tribute to Gary right now because we have the big video screens and everything uh, on a song called Tuesday's Gone, which is just an amazing tribute to him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a heartfelt thing whenever you're up there, it's a little touchy. It's hard to sing. Sometimes I can't turn around and look at the video, you know, cause he's my brother. Get a little catch in your throat, right? Yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. Sure. What would happen? Here's a hypothetical, Johnny. What mm -hmm. if Skinner did a show and you neglected to play Freebird? No. <laughs> What if you said, uh, you'd said, you said, you did like, ooh, that smell. And then you went, thank you. Good night. We're out yeah. of here. Would, would there be a riot? <laughs> I think it'd be hard to get out of the auditorium. <laughs> you have to play that and you have to play that last. I mean, it, you could write a whole book on, I mean, I've every person that has ever gone to a concert has seen, whoever it is, people hold the thing and go, free bird. Oh, yeah. right? you know, where, where did that come from? You know, I don't know. I think it just, you know, people started doing it. And, uh, uh, you know, I know there's a few artists that have been like, oh, man, really? You know, and uh, it's kind of got underneath their skin. But uh, what a great thing for Skinner, you know, and uh, our fans are something else, man. We love them and they've been 
a blessing to us when this band's went through tragedy, just like Gary, you know, passing. Our fans have been there, and it seems to get even more bigger and bigger every year. And it just, it's an amazing thing to see. It really is. And I hope that one day I'm retired, drinking some Hell House whiskey on my front porch, smoking a big cigar and going, you know, that was one hell of a ride. <laughs> it already has been, man, for you. And you've, yeah. you've had, uh, and you know, prior to Skinner, you were, you were in, you had your own projects going music. It's been a, it's been a uh, very, very uh, successful hell of a ride for you. In terms of the whiskey, it just came out, right? But a couple months yeah. ago, you see this as something you want to get behind long-term? Yeah, I do. I do. I, uh, we always dreamed, you know, cause whenever I started with Skinner in 87, we always, we all drank whiskey a lot, <laughs> probably too much, but, uh, we always said, you know what we want to have, we should have our own brand. We should have our own whiskey and for it to come to fruition now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm behind it. Totally. And, uh, yeah, we're doing a cool thing down in St. Augustine, Florida. We're playing near our hometown in a little town called St. Augustine. And we're actually doing a thing at a famous where all the boys, we all grew up. It's an old restaurant called Whitey's and it's Whitey's Fish Camp. And we're actually doing a thing where me and Medlock, Ricky Medlock and the band are going to make an appearance. And uh, it's a pretty cool thing because that that fish camp, all the Skinner boys have been there over the period of years and to be able to go there and go, Hey, we're going to have a shot. You're going to do, right you're going to do some drinking there with it, with the fans yeah. can come, fans can come out and hang out with you doing that. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, we may have a little hangover the next day. I don't know. <laughs> now, you mentioned you're from Florida. I, uh, word on the street is you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. I'm from Philly. I'm a big Eagles fan, but how are you feeling about our boy? Doug Peterson came down, took over the team. How are you liking it? Doug's done a great job. You know, he turned something into uh, nothing into something. You know, he really has. And uh, I knew whenever we hired him because, hey, believe me, I watch. I love Philly, too. I can I can honestly say that. And uh, I loved him coaching. And uh, I was like, hey, we're getting him. Oh, my God. You know, so that's what we needed down in Jacksonville. It could be argued convincingly that Urban Meyer was the most disastrous hire in the history of NFL. I mean, I never saw anything like it. When he left the team and stayed at a bar and hung out with the during the season. I've never seen anything like it. He was like, fuck this team. Fuck them. I'm going to the bar and I want to get some strange. Like, hey, now listen, I'm a big Gators fan, too. Okay, yeah. I, for years, watched him with the Gators and Tim Tebow, and mm -hmm. he did a great job there. Yeah. But in in college is a different thing, you know, totally yeah. different thing. And uh, sorry, I don't know if I went away. Did oh, I go back. away, Derek? You're back. There you go. And, yeah. You know, when they hired him, I went, what? But I went, maybe. I don't know, you know. And, uh, you know, and then they, they had uh, Doug Moran, Marone, Marone. Marone. Yeah, like, Doug Marone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, before. And Doug was a good dude. And I actually asked Doug, I said, how do you get these guys motivated? And he goes, it's hard to get them, me and they're motivated. And I was like, yeah, I guess that might be the case. But, uh, you know, uh, well, how do you get, there, how do you get motivated? <laughs> I get motivated. Little, little, audience, little hell house. <laughs> yeah. A little hell house, an audience and a lot of the adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Johnny, if you want it, when you play Camden, so, you know, Camden is actually 
Philly, basically. Yeah. You're playing. It's right across sure. the river. So you got to yeah. learn that. You got to learn that Eagles fight song for that show because they're all, you know, fly, Eagles, fly on the road to victory. You do that yeah. at the show. Not that you need anything to get the crowd going, but that'll get them going. I promise That'll you. get them going. That'll get them. You get that Eagles chant going. <laughs> That'd be great. They did pretty good uh, the night here. Yeah, but, they're yeah. doing they're doing all right, man. I mean, they're 2-0, and but, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't. Well, for us, it kind of feels like Super Bowl or bust. But uh, I'll tell you what, man, Jacksonville could be a sneaky team this season. I really yeah. think, yeah. They got Trevor Lawrence. If they keep him healthy, they got some great players that they've you know brought in and some good wide receivers. They got a couple of good running backs. So we'll see what happens, man. Hey, you know what? Last year we won the Super Bowl. You didn't hear? You we did? won some games. So we won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Wait, how did that happen? Wait, what? What am I missing? I know, that's, that's what I tell everybody. I go, hey, we won some games, man. We won the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, I would. here's the thing. I would like nothing more than to meet you in Vegas for the Eagles-Jaguars Super Bowl. And, oh, throw, man, and we'll throw deal. back a little hell house in Vegas because that's where the Super Bowl is this year. So hopefully I'll yeah. see you there, my friend. But, uh, yeah. Johnny, I got to tell you, man, it, as somebody who, you know, my earliest memories of my life, you know, Leonard Skinner on my on the turntable, my parents, you know, listening to it and coming up and it's meant a lot. And uh, it's been great getting a chance to talk to you. Uh, Same here. And I hope Same you have here. a great show this I evening. Appreciate it. Good conversation about dogs, too. So That's right. Oh, we, we were talking yeah. about dogs off the air here. Uh, uh, Johnny Van Zant, Leonard Skinner, Hell House Whiskey is available now. Check it out. It is a really, really uh, good whiskey, man. I enjoy sipping, especially if you've got. It's not. I meant to say this earlier. It's a. It's a. I, I did say it's a very drinkable, but it's. It's got some complexity to it, but it's not going to knock you on your ass in terms of like it overbearing. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. it's easy. It's easy to drink. I think. Yeah, it is, but it is Danny proof. So after a few of them, <laughs> that's right. Well, Johnny, I appreciate you joining, man, and uh, we'll see you out on the road, I hope. All right, brother. Hopefully in Vegas. That's right. Hey, this is Big J Okerson, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Fly, Eagles, fly. On the road to victory. Fight, fight, fight. Fly, fly Eagles, Eagles, fly. fly. Score a touchdown. touchdown. One, two, One, two, three. Hit him high. Hit him and watch our eagles fly. We're massacring On the road to victory. Let's bring it home. E A G L E S Spelling. Go. We are ripped. Tomorrow, would you still?
It's over, Johnny. It's over! Nothing is over! <laughs>